Welcome back to the Refugee Report. Yes, we are back from our hiatus, and all of us at War Temade are glad to be making informative content for you all about refugee issues. From now on, you can expect weekly podcast episodes from us explaining crises and issues affecting refugees. In addition, we will be creating more content through our social media this summer. Thank you all for sticking with us and taking time out of your day to learn about refugee issues. Without further ado, here's this week's episode. This week's focus is North Korea. Commonly known as the Hermit Kingdom, this country is responsible for countless human rights violations, multiple humanitarian catastrophes, and a refugee crisis like no other in the world. Both the volatile history and unique geopolitical pressures of the region have created the conditions for these atrocities to take place. Before explaining this, we would like to warn you that the information and audio presented may be disturbing. Listener discretion is advised. The North and South Korea we know today make up the Korean Peninsula. The region borders China and Russia to the north. To the west of this peninsula is the Yellow Sea, and to the east lies the Sea of Japan. The peninsula's geography consists of mountainous terrain and lengthy coastlines. In addition, the region has distinct seasons, meaning it can become extremely cold in the winter, especially in the north. Long before the peninsula was divided into two countries, all of Korea was ruled by a monarchy. Korea was an isolated kingdom who had limited contact with nearby Japan and China. This dynamic changed in the late 19th century. The Korean monarchy began to fall apart, making Korea a target of nearby countries. This created a series of conflicts that plagued the peninsula. In 1894, Japan invaded Korea, causing the Sino-Japanese War, a war that was fought with China and Korea on one side, and Japan on the other. In 1904, the Russo-Japanese War began, with the Russians and Japanese fighting for influence over the peninsula. In both conflicts, Japan proved to be victorious, causing the Japanese occupation of Korea. The Korean people suffered severe abuse under the control of Japan. Many Korean men were forced into slavery, and many Korean women were forced into prostitution. Some Koreans were even forcefully assimilated into Japanese culture. This meant some Koreans had to take Japanese names and follow Japanese religious customs. The start of World War II meant Japan used even more Korean slavery to power its military empire. This further fueled a large resistance movement throughout Korea, and during World War II, around 200,000 Koreans became resistance fighters. These soldiers deployed guerrilla tactics against the Japanese on the Korean Peninsula. One of these resistance fighters was Kim Jong-soo, a believer in communism who was born in Korea, raised in China, and trained by the Soviet military. He would go on to change his name to Kim Il-sung and become North Korea's first leader. Once World War II ended, Korea split in half with the United States occupying the South and the Soviet Union occupying the North. In 1947, the United Nations pushed to have democratic elections throughout all of Korea. The USSR refused this and instead propped up Kim Il-sung as leader of North Korea. Despite this, South Korea proceeded with elections and became a democratic government. Although Korea was split in two, Kim Il-sung was still driven to unite all of Korea under his rule. So, in June of 1950, Kim Il-sung invaded South Korea. Following the Chinese nationalist expulsion from China, the threat to Formosa, the long drawn out battles in Malaya and Indochina, communist attacks in fact throughout Southeast Asia 
there comes open aggression in Korea. Here, the Russian-dominated North Koreans launched a full-scale, well-prepared drive on the capital of the South, Seoul. The peaceful southern democracy was taken by surprise by this communist blitzkrieg, culmination of red aims in the Far East that are perfectly clear for all to see. It is tragic indeed that war should strike the South Korean people so recently recovered from Japanese occupation and ill treatment. The Korean War created an international crisis within the heat of the Cold War. The United States backed South Korea along with the United Nations coalition. North Korea was supported by the USSR, and China sent 250,000 troops to fight with North Korea. The Korean War lasted for a grueling three years, with each side taking numerous offensives throughout the war. Eventually, both sides reached a stalemate, and an armistice was negotiated in 1953. This established a demilitarized zone, or DMZ, between the two Koreas. This border was drawn roughly around where the war began, along the 38th parallel. Tensions continued to be tense between North and South Korea following this. Since the war ended, there have been assassination attempts and terrorist attacks by the North Korean government, including planting a bomb on a South Korean plane in 1987. In addition, North Korea has developed a nuclear missile program throughout the last two decades, further antagonizing the situation. However, the true victims of the situation are North Korean civilians themselves. North Korea operates as a strict totalitarian state under the rule of Kim Jong-un. The media and speech are strictly monitored. Citizens are assigned jobs, and strict obedience is expected by all North Koreans. The legal code enforced in North Korea is also extreme. Punishable offenses range from wearing blue jeans to having an unauthorized haircut. If a citizen is accused of a crime, they'll be deprived of a fair trial. Therefore, being accused of a crime in North Korea is as good as being guilty. While awaiting trial, the accused are packed into small cells with many other people. Those who have been jailed describe being relentlessly tortured, sleep-deprived, and starved. Once found guilty of a crime, the convicted are sent to North Korean prison camps. The conditions within these camps are notoriously horrible. Survivors describe being forced into hard labor, being routinely tortured, sexually assaulted, and describe witnessing the executions of their family and friends in the camp. Listen to the story of one North Korean survivor of these camps. We would like to warn you that the following description is very graphic. Mr. Kim Gwang-il described how the police officers interrogating him propped him up in the pigeon torture position. In this exposed position, his chest was beaten until he vomited blood. In addition, he was subjected to the motorcycle torture and plane torture, where he was forced to assume extremely painful stress positions involving the prolonged extension of his arms until he collapsed. When they were not being interrogated, prisoners had to stay the entire day in their cell in a kneeling position with the head to the ground. 60 or 70 people were kept in a cell designed for 14 to 17 people. At night, people had to take turns lying down while others in the cell were standing. This led to extreme exhaustion among the prisoners. Mr. Kim described how guards had the right to beat or otherwise torture them at any point, including for trivial matters such as snoring while sleeping. Mr. Kim Gwang-il testified that the prisoners starved as they only received 80 grams of bad quality food per meal. They fed us some things that not even the pigs would eat, 
like for example rotten cucumber. Boiled rotten cucumber was given to eat, and if we refused to eat that, we would be punished. Mr. Kim added that prisoners became so desperate that they hunted and ate the snakes that lived on the prison's premises. According to Mr. Kim Gwang-il, there were hundreds of deaths during his two years and five months at Ordinary Prison Camp Number 12. Mr. Kim was himself involved in the disposal of the bodies of over 100 prisoners. Although his story is unfathomable, sentences can be even worse than this. If you've been found guilty of a political crime as in any form of dissent against the government, the punishment is even more severe. You will either be given a death sentence or sent to one of North Korea's political prison camps. In addition, your entire family will be taken to the camp. To discourage this political dissent, North Korea also has the three-generation rule. This means yourself, your children, and your grandchildren will be imprisoned in the camp for life. In 2014, the United Nations launched a commission of inquiry into these allegations, and they concluded that the North Korean government had committed crimes against humanity. Despite this, North Korea continues to refuse cooperation with the United Nations High Commission for Human Rights. Outside of these prison camps, the living conditions for North Koreans are also poor. There are frequent power outages, lack of modern amenities, and shortages of food. In fact, the famine within North Korea during the 1990s was so bad that the United States, South Korea, and Japan all sent aid to the country. These circumstances have forced many North Koreans to flee the country. However, doing so is incredibly difficult. The North Korean government militarizes and guards its border to ensure citizens cannot escape. This includes stationing thousands of border guards, planting landmines, and disrupting cell phone service along the border. Furthermore, getting caught can have grave consequences. Those who leave risk being sent to a labor camp or face execution. Listen to the story of Charles, a North Korean refugee who made the dangerous passage across the North Korean-Chinese border. I walked into the river that divides North Korea and China, and I hid on the tall grass for eight hours waiting for the darkness. When I finally thought it was safe, I quietly waded into the water. In the middle of the river, I slipped on a rock and let out a scream. Immediately, a floodlight was on my back and I heard a guard screaming at me. He said that he would shoot me if I didn't turn back. I knew that I was dead either way. Either he would shoot me, or I would obey and return to the shore, only to be shipped off to a labor camp. I decided not to turn back. Each step took me further away from North Korea and closer to my dream of freedom. And five minutes later, I was dripping wet, but finally back in China. I walked in China for three days until somebody found me collapsed in the middle of the road. I was hungry and I was dehydrated and I was exhausted. Many North Koreans have made the same trek as Charles across the Chinese border. This is because the border with South Korea is much more militarized and guarded. However, these refugees who end up in China face new challenges. The Chinese government is infamously inhospitable towards North Korean refugees. In the past, the government has been known to repatriate refugees back to North Korea, which is a serious violation of international law. The Chinese government justifies this by claiming that these North Koreans are economic migrants and not refugees. 
As a result, the UN Refugee Agency has been denied access to border areas where there are North Korean refugees. For this reason, many North Korean refugees remain in hiding in China. It also prevents these refugees from using traditional channels to gain asylum. This means some end up in human trafficking rings in order to escape. This is especially the case for North Korean women. These women are forced into the pornography and prostitution industry in China. The refugees that can leave China typically go directly to South Korea. This is because all North Koreans automatically have South Korean citizenship. Therefore, they are guaranteed asylum within South Korea. However, many refugees cannot find passage to South Korea. Also, the North Korean government has been known to kidnap North Korean refugees. For these reasons, many refugees remain anonymous, making it difficult to gauge the magnitude of this crisis. This crisis has also taken place over many decades, making this even more difficult. Before concluding this episode, we want to recommend a charity that is helping North Korean refugees. This week, it is Liberty in North Korea. This organization rescues these refugees in order to bring them to countries where they can find safe asylum. Their link will be in the description of this episode. Although we do recommend this organization, please do your own research before spending your own money. That concludes this episode of The Refugee Report. If you enjoy the podcast, please subscribe and share it with a friend. If you haven't already, please check out Wartime Aid's Instagram page. We make weekly informative posts about refugees and refugee issues. Our most recent post was about the Rwandan genocide. Also, make sure you follow us on all our social media at Wartime Aid. Tune in next week to learn about the refugee crisis in the Democratic Republic of the Congo. As always, thank you for listening.